Imagine if you can. An early spring morning. The grass is covered in dew. Your boots were essential to avoid soaking your feet. As you head into the field, you notice some shapes in the stable. A few white, a few black, and there is Owena in her rich brown glory. The alpacas see you coming, and from inside the stable they start to tumble out, mouths full of hay or chewing the cud. Ears are erect, and you have their attention. They watch your approach with interest, anticipation even. And as you get closer, they mill around, trying to get in the best position. Food is on their mind, and you are the bringer. That familiar feeling of, this is good, this, this is what I live for. To be a shepherd to my little herd of alpacas. To interact with an animal that is intelligent and both distant and close, all at the same time. Hi, Steve here, and welcome to the podcast for alpaca people. This is the Alpaca Podcast for all things alpaca. If you're an owner, a soon-to-be owner, a want-to-be owner, or are just alpaca mad or love the fleece, welcome to the Alpaca Tribe. I'm Steve Hetherington. Hi, so good to have you here. Welcome to my world of alpacas. I want to talk to you today about what it's like to keep alpacas. If my aim was to persuade you that they are magical, inquisitive, delightful creatures, I'm sure I would have no problem in convincing you. In fact, you don't really need convincing. That's why you're here. This podcast is for you and people just like you. People with the alpaca gene. That something in you that connects to camelids, way beyond them being cute and fluffy. The look from an animal that sees you. Now, of course, I talked about them delighting in food, and they will associate their significant humans with their dietary needs being met. But they go beyond that to liking being somewhere near you. Not too close, but certainly around close enough to know what is going on and wanting to be sure they don't miss out. The thing is that they can read you so much better than we usually give them credit for. They know when you're in a rush. They seem to feel when you are emotionally upset or distracted. They seem to want to give as well as receive. Take some time. Stop and look, listen, and read the paddock. To begin with, you notice things you have no words or explanation for. In time, you can name it and know what it means. Keeping alpacas is a long-term choice. They have a way of getting under your skin, of becoming important to you. They give something I don't think that I've found anywhere else. To keep alpacas is to have something unique in your life. 
So, you should also be prepared for the cost, financial, emotional, time. Have you got enough of these things to spare? They will repay, but you will definitely do some paying first. I've been surprised about the number of inquiries I've received from people interested in owning or keeping alpacas just as the lockdown of the pandemic is easing. Perhaps I shouldn't be. Perhaps they are responding to that gentle pull towards alpacas. I think some have a slightly romantic notion of what it means to keep alpacas. I know that's not you. Perhaps they're responding to that gentle pull toward alpacas. Most feel it, some respond, and still less are in a position to do something about it and make it happen. If that is you, think carefully. But if it is for you, go make it happen and embrace the costs, financial, emotional and time. They do live a long time, up to 25 years, but probably more typically 15 to 20. That is a long-term commitment. So take your time, to be sure, and to build foundations. You'll find a way through or around most things, but doing some preparation could make it simpler and less of a struggle. You'll have enough of that anyway. Become like an alpaca sponge. Soak up what they can give you by being in their presence. Go sit in the field, on the ground if you can. Less threatening that way. Gather voices you can trust and have access to when you need them. Because you will. Ask questions. And then follow them up with more questions and research and reading. You'll find ways of getting access to alpaca information. We all do. Now, you also need to know about that other side. The rainy days when everyone is covered in mud, including you, looking miserable. You discover your waterproof trousers are not Alpacas don't understand public holidays, or Thanksgiving, or a lie-in. They don't always have enough common sense to stay indoors on a wet or snowy night. Partly this is because they don't have access to the Met Office weather forecasts, though sometimes their internal sense seems to be even more accurate. There are occasions when in the middle of the night I've had to go down put the light on in the stable, put some food out, and try and persuade them to come in out of the cold, close the shutters, and tuck them in for the night. <laughs> they don't always thank me for that. But sometimes you have to take over and take responsibility. The other reason that they stay out in all weathers is that they are perverse. They do their own thing for their own reasons. It doesn't stop you worrying about them overnight, though, especially if there are any that are ill or have young that are potentially vulnerable. Sometimes you can help. Sometimes, after the help, they spit at you. Usually that's your fault for not explaining things properly. It's best ignored. They're just being alpacas. Raising your voice and shouting at them makes it worse, in my experience. Just occasionally they will do something deliberately to get you like a sly kick as you go past. Again, you're probably at fault, and deserved it. Thank goodness their feet have pads rather than a hoof. 
Unexpected endings are hard. I've had to sit up into the early hours on a number of occasions to be with a sick alpaca. You get to know when it's more than likely an unwinding to the end. More acute problems require the vet's assistance, of course. We don't want any unnecessary suffering. The group know and feel the loss. Stillborn or career lost when young are a particular challenge to the alpacas and to you. You are allowed to feel the pain and to shed some tears. But keeping alpacas is not for those who are overly sentimental or sensitive. Having said that, I firmly believe an alpaca shepherd should never get used to a loss. Every one should count. We should feel it. But then we move on and we care for the rest. It's only occasionally and only fleetingly that I have thought in passing. I'm not sure I can do this. The pain comes because we care. Sometimes you do everything you can and it's still not enough. This is life. Going back to the morning trip down to the stable, can you feel the mix of slight apprehension? The feeling of delight, the subtle mix of joy and occasional pain? Can you see yourself in that picture? Come rain or shine? Then maybe alpacas could be for you too. I would love to talk alpacas with you at some point, if you can make it. Do you remember I talked about a Zoom call to do just that? Well, the practicalities and shearing proved slightly more complicated than I expected. Anyway, details are on the website. Go to alpacatribe.com forward slash Zoom and choose a time slot if you'd like to join me. There are two there, one for, and hopefully one of them will fit with your calendar. I thought I would give you an update on the valley as well as spring turns into summer. And the growth continues, all kinds of growth. Now, the other day, <laughs> it was really strange. Uh, suddenly, there was there was some extra geese. Okay, now we get the odd geese, goose, Canada geese. We get the odd pair of Canada geese that, that come in and visit. But this was different. This was a pair of geese and they had youngsters in tow. So there was six, <laughs> there we were. There's another six goslings to go with the seven plus one that we already had. Where did they come from? Well, they couldn't have flown in. I, well, they must have been just a bit higher up off the lake, higher up on the river. So that was really, really strange. They've kind of kind of accepted each other and they're kind of all milling around most of the time they're all relatively in the same sort of area but they do come into the field with the alpacas which is fun <laughs> occasionally the alpacas have to move out of the way but uh particularly the ones who sat down eating hay from the hay feeder and then these these geese wander in and wander around and all of a sudden the alpacas are sort of surrounded by by all these these geese is quite Quite interesting, but they they manage. They're doing all right, and these little balls of fluff have turned into something that look akin to not quite yet, but the colours just starting to shift a little bit, and some of the the old ones are looking a little bit like they're turning into geese, which they will.
That was fun. Up on the hillside where the boys are, we've got a, a lot of some thoroughly green hills, but the hills are green because of bracken. It's not so much grass, but that's just that time of year. It'll it'll sort itself out again. Lots of nettles, really tall. <laughs> when you get close enough, they don't off stick. I did strim some, and I did I did it with my short sleeve shirt on, and got bits of nettle flying onto my my arms and things, and so I got a, got uh, stung a bit. And lots of brambles as well. They're they're doing berserk. Everything's just really gone wild and growing really nicely. Grass is also doing well, which is good. It's nice to see, and the alpacas are therefore grazing in all kinds of places. So there's a good supply of fresh food for them, which is nice. Uh, we've also got a duck and four ducklings that have been cruising around, and they're still there. We don't need any disturb them. And they, they do this amazing run. The little ones do a run across the water. They keep going, go, 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 go. And they keep going. I've never known them run as far to escape away from what they consider to be a threat, namely me. So she usually takes them over into the Bulrush Island in the middle of the lake. So they're doing well. There's a, um, an owl around. We had the tawny owl and we had, um, they were kind of right up close to the house. Didn't, didn't hear anything from them for quite a while. And that was, well, um, a few weeks back now. And then we started hearing that quick, quick, quick. And it goes on and on and on. I think it's the little one calling for, <laughs> calling for food or the adult trying to say, come, over, come and hint, hunt over here. So I think they're doing all right. Do you know, I've just noticed today, thinking about it, today I'm not sure I have heard the cuckoo at all today. Isn't that interesting? Weeks and weeks and weeks of continuous, but I'm just not sure that I've heard it today. So it may be that they've headed off on their long journey. It's a long journey, going all the way back to Africa. Ah, it's a long, old way. And then they've left the youngsters here, the eggs and the fledglings and things, which will be looked after by the birds they've put the eggs into. Um, in, in the, you know, the cuckoo, having put the, their eggs into the nests. Um, right. And they, they reckon they can be lay up to about 120 eggs in a, in a short season before they disappear. So the, those youngsters will, they'll fly later. They, they need to fledge first and then they will fly. And they will end up back in Africa too. Now that's, that's just super clever, isn't it? That whole navigation system that's built in there. So that'll be interesting. I don't know whether they'll come back to the same valley that they come from. It's not quite like uh, spawned fish that return to the stream. There's a very subtle chemical tra trace thing that just allows fish, uh, particularly salmon to, to follow back up the stream and get back to where they, they spawned. Not quite the same with cuckoos, I'm sure, but um, they may well be back. Swallows, certainly, they seem to come back to the same place. They seem to know where they are and lay their eggs, so that's, that's a good thing. Uh, tadpoles in the little pond just in front of us, but also down in the lake, we've got a lot of tadpoles and some of them are now starting to grow their legs, so it won't be too long. And <laughs> We'll have little frogs on the paths, so and we have to go. Ooh, ooh! Don't stand at them! Don't stand at them! Oh, it's, it's, yeah, they move away quite quickly and get away. They move away from the water, strangely, but they, they go off. And the other thing that we've got around are a couple of small rabbits. They're down by the hay feeder with the alpacas, and it's a little bit. 
Mm, they got caught the other day. Uh, they were a little bit too close to where the geese were, so they got chased by one of the adult geese who sort of, oh, what are you? And chased them off. So they went scampering back. They saw me at a distance, this, the rabbits now rather than the geese, and they don't have shift, and they went scampering back somewhere near the shed, near the edge of the car park. I'm not quite sure where exactly they are. They've got a burrow somewhere, I'm, fish, I'm sure of that. So I haven't quite worked out where that is yet. And is it a problem? Uh, they're cute at the moment. We shall see. <laughs> but they're going to compete eating grass that should belong to my alpacas. But we shall see anyway. So that's a quick update. Uh, we've currently got uh, a good amount of rain and therefore the, the, the level of the lake is holding up. Um, but we're going into a, a warmer, dry spell again for a time. So we shall see what happens with the lake. But it's, it's all right at the moment. And everything looks very verdant. Good old word that is, verdant, very green and lush. So there we are, just into June. So that is your update on the valley. Thanks for being here. Take care. Be well. See you again soon. And if you can, go spend some time with an alpaca and smile together. This is the Alpaca Tribe, and I'm Steve Hetherington. Have a great day.